Hello everyone, this is Jorge Fascinetti, and you are listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. I am delighted today uh, to welcome Rachel Clare to our microphones at Pituitary World News. We, I run into Rachel's website, which is called The Mass and Me, and if we, we'll give you a link to it, it's wonderful. Uh, where um, I think it came from the Pituitary Foundation in the UK, uh, and on a link, and I read it and I thought it was fabulous. So I thought. I got to get a hold of Rachel and we have to have a conversation about her website and her experiences uh, with pituitary disease. So I'll tell you a little bit about Rachel and then we'll get started with our conversation. Rachel is 28 and lives in the in Essex, right? Yeah. Yeah, UK <laughs> with her partner Jamie and dog Stanley. I love the name Stanley. Uh yeah. And after six years of doctor, doctor visits, uh, Rachel was finally diagnosed with a pituitary macroadenoma at age 21. She has two transphenoidal surgeries followed by radiotherapy and now is living with 50% of her tumor and hypopituitarism. I just want to thank you, Rachel, for, for uh, taking the time to talk about your experience because uh, our experience has been that when they listen to people like you, people get, um, you know, it's, it's very helpful to other people. So, yeah, uh, thank you. yeah so, so let's talk about, for, tell me how um, first you learned that you had a pituitary, your diagnosis story. Let's just, let's just go through that a little bit. Yeah, and welcome, so by the way. Thank, thank you for you. taking thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Great to be here. Um, thank you for inviting me on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, my diagnosis story is sort of a, quite a long one. Um, but yeah, it took me round about sort of, you know, six to seven years to get a diagnosis. So I was um, going to the doctors from the age of about 15 and um, backwards and forwards uh, with my mum and with lots of different symptoms that I was experiencing um, that I just didn't feel were right at my age. Things like um, hot flushes and sort of no, no period. Um, and I was having things like headaches and, you know, lots of other bits and pieces that just didn't, didn't sort of, you know, feel right to me. Um, and after, you know, countless number of, of visits, we weren't really seeming to, you know, get anywhere and get any answers. And it was only after a lot of um, sort of research uh, from my mum that she was doing yeah. that she started to suggest to the doctors about sort of different tests that I should be having done. And um, unfortunately, they weren't very welcoming <laughs> to these um, suggestions. And I think um, a lot of the time that was because some of the tests that we were requesting, sort of blood tests and things like that were quite expensive. Um, and understandably here in the, in the UK with the NHS, and I think they were sort of, you know, not so willing to do them. Um, anyway, I started to deteriorate over the years. Um, my symptoms got worse. I started to struggle with things like my memory. Um, I developed temporal lobe epilepsy, um, which I started seeing a neurologist for. And it was only really then um, when I went to see the neurologist that he kind of put the pieces together and um, suggested that I went for an MRI. 
um, which they sent me for. And I was um, called in to um, my uh, local hospital yeah. to meet with the gynecologist that I was also under. And uh, yeah, that's when they told me and my mum that I had um, the tumour. Yeah. Um, he wasn't able to give me much information at the time because, you know, it wasn't his field. Um, but he said, you know, you've got what looks like quite a big tumour here. Um, and that's when I sort of begun the journey of being um, uh, referred to the endocrinologist. Yeah. How, how, so, many doctors, yeah. how many doctors had you seen before that? Uh, so, and and how, how long about what, what was the period since your your uh, uh, onset of of, of uh, uh, symptoms? So I think the onset of symptoms, like I said, started from about the age of fifteen. Wow! Um, so it it really was sort of six to seven years yeah. that it that it took. That's um, not unusual, as you know now. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. Which is you know it's it's so horrible to have to. <laughs> you know really fight for it for that for that long you know because you know yeah. your body isn't right you know something you know isn't quite right inside and it's very hard to get that across and how you feel to doctors and at such a young age as well you know I wanted to get on with my life you know yeah. I was in school and I was learning I went through college and started university and I really just wanted to get on and in the end I got quite frustrated really with sort of not getting any answers and, and not getting anywhere um but yeah so um tell me a little bit about the, your post-diagnosis then after uh, what what happened after you were diagnosed and uh, you mentioned in your uh website a lot of mental health issues and anxiety and things like that and that's such a under treated area in pituitary yeah. disease that, that we always uh like to you know chat about and learn yeah. you know what your experiences were with that Absolutely. Well, I think sort of with the diagnosis, it came as such a shock. Um, we was never really expecting anything that serious um, at the time. And I think at the time we didn't really know how serious it, it was. Yeah. Um, so after my diagnosis, um, unfortunately, sort of the usual sort of route that they would have gone down is, you know, send me to an endocrinologist at a, a local hospital and sort of, you know, go through the stages there. But um, unfortunately, I fell ill. I fell ill really, really quickly. Um, had a sudden onset of um, really bad headaches. They were completely debilitating. I couldn't sort of, you know, um, hardly sort of move. And I couldn't. I was really affected by light. I was affected. Um, sort of. I had to wear sort of a eye mask, and I was just in so much pain. I couldn't really sort of, you know, function properly. So it was these onset of um, sort of symptoms that made me sort of well, I ended up having to um, sort of call the ambulance quite a lot. I was having lots of visits um, to yeah. the hospital um, in which, you know, they knew that the problem was obviously the tumour, um, but I think no one sort of realised how serious it was. Um, unfortunately, I was referred to a local hospital, which um, they actually took a look at my MRI and told me that my case wasn't urgent. Now, in this time, I had all these symptoms. I was in so much pain that couldn't be controlled by any medication. Um, and it was only I ended up in hospital for about 10 days to two weeks in my local hospital um, where they couldn't control the pain. Um, I was having so much morphine pumped into me. And they just couldn't control it. And um, it was only through a family friend who had connections high up 
um, at a hospital in London that I managed to get referred to a specialist endocrinologist there mm-hmm. um, who took a look at my MRI and said, this is not good. That he, you know, he said that he had never seen a tumour that big in someone my age yeah. um, and how serious it was. Um, so it was only then that the ball got rolling. Yeah, and um, how old how old, yeah. sorry, how old were you then when uh, yeah so I was I was 20 21 okay. yeah so I was seven, 21 seven years yeah ago. yeah, yeah. Wow. so a long a long time ago now but yeah. um yes yeah, so it was only then that the the ball got rolling when I got referred to the endocrinologist in London they took it very seriously and um I was transferred from my local hospital straight up to London yeah. um yeah. Well, it's amazing you mentioned it because it's such a, you know, the story is so similar not for all pituitary patients where are mm. once you land somewhere where they understand what they're looking at, yeah. it's immediate, the, 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 the reaction and the, sometimes the relief, hopefully that's the case. Yes, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I think, I, it's, I think what's difficult, sorry, just to say well, is, is that, it's it doesn't really make any sense that sort of a local hospital with the same sort of you know they were endocrinologists neurologists you know they have the the same expertise as you know the team in in London but yet they had very different opinions you know one saying that it was it wasn't serious and the other one saying this is serious we need to do something now you need surgery yeah I can't tell you how many stories we hear that way. And I personally, my story is, is the same. My doctor, uh, uh, now partner with the Pituitary World News, we started this together, called me a doorway diagnosis. You know? So you look, at, you look at someone, you know exactly what you have. You know, it's, it's that sometimes that, uh, uh, that simple and that complicated at the time, which makes pituitary disease so yeah. fascinating. Because uh, so you have been living with this now for a, well, a long time, but post-diagnosis yeah. where you know what you had. Tell me what that's like with your career. And I know you have a very successful company and you yeah. can tell us a little bit about what you do and how do you struggle with that? Or are you doing well? What, how, t- yeah. tell me a little bit about that. So it's been, yeah, quite a journey since my um, sort of my surgeries and my radiotherapy and and throughout it all, I managed to um, maintain the career that I had. I was um, working for sort of museums like the V&A and Design Museum in London Mm -hmm. and um, at the time. um, So I was in and out of work um, as I was going through my surgeries and my radiotherapy. So that itself was very difficult. And sort of after my second surgery and my radiotherapy, I did start to deteriorate quite a lot. I noticed sort of quite a a difference in sort of my mental health and things like my anxiety was really building up. And so with things like traveling into London every day, because it was a two hour sort of commute. Commute, um, yeah. Yeah, for me. So it was, yeah, pretty, pretty intense. And I noticed that I started to get sort of quite unwell. I had a couple of... um, sort of uh, experiences where I had um, an adrenal crisis whilst I was um, on the train I sort of um, blacked out on the platform and things like that and you know I think all these experiences it was um, (laughs) made it more difficult for me to carry on in my career Um, and it was a really upsetting time for me because I was very driven and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And at the time I could see a future in it for me. Um, but unfortunately my health just, yeah, got, got in the way in the end. Um, so I decided to take a step back 
um, I decided to leave my job with nothing else in place at the time. And I, I just got a sort of a, a local job in a, in a restaurant as a waitress, which, you know, I really enjoyed. It, it sort of kept me on my feet and I just done what I needed to do um, for my health. And I felt that that was really important to try and get myself back on track. That's very smart. Sometimes it's amazing what happens when you have a change of pace, you know, and you say you're either forced or you you decide I want to do something completely different uh, just for a little bit to see to sort of center yourself. No, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it was just the sort of, you know, the break that I needed. And although, you know, I was busy and I was on my feet all the time, I would say that I was probably at my healthiest then. Um, You know, I felt really good in myself and, you know, my symptoms were you know sort of pretty much eased I, I didn't really have um sort of yeah any any sort of issues at the time I was um just yeah felt felt really good felt my best and um yeah which was great so um I went on from the restaurant to I got a uh, <laughs> poached by a local um a local recruitment agency and um they actually came into the restaurant and they were just sort of uh, yeah, really took a liking to me and said that they want me to go and work in their payroll department. So mm. I ended up um, managing a payroll department and I was never any good at maths. So that <laughs> took me down a completely new route. Um, and again, it's just sort of, you know, I just uh, done what I had to do and my jobs were very close to home then. They're only a five minute commute. So this really helped with my anxiety and just sort of, yeah, it, it was what I needed at the time. Um so yeah and uh, from there I decided to um in the sort of background I was um started to um build a a business with my partner Jamie um he had been a videographer for years and he run um sort of a successful uh, wedding videography business already and we had this idea of creating another wedding business um that was uh, videography again, but for just sort of creating packages that were just more affordable for couples. Um, and yes, yeah, so we built Songbird Wedding Videos, um, yeah, which we've now been running since uh, 2018 now. And yeah, so we started off with that. Do you, th- can you pinpoint the time when you actually got a hold of your anxiety and, and understood what was causing it and said, this is what the things that I have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you, do you still struggle with it or are you, um, how, how do you manage that? Or, or can you, can you tell me what that, um, from really being very anxious to actually functioning mm-hmm. and really running a business successfully, uh, yeah. to, you know, to learning to live your life with, you know, the, this chronic condition that you have. Absolutely. I think the anxiety is always there. Yeah. Um, I won't lie. And I think it was always at its worst because of the traveling and the commuting and the feeling like you are, because you're part of a team. When you're working for a company, you are, you know, you're a part of a team and you are responsible sort of to be there and and sort of you know work with other people and you're you are responsible to someone else and um, you have a boss and it was always very difficult for me to answer to someone and get people to understand my situation um, and my condition I think that was the hardest thing is sort of fit it's so unpredictable um, with a condition, you know, like I have with hyperpituitarism, and it's very hard to um, 
communicate that with employers and I found that quite difficult sort of throughout all my jobs that I've had and because there's just not really an understanding of it out there um you know which makes it very hard and you can be you know as right as rain one day and 100% and then the next day you can be 20% in bed and you you don't want to you know don't want to move or function um so it can really change really rapidly so I think I knew when I was working in London that you know the traveling and having to answer to someone else and just always feeling on edge it was just it was too much and it just yeah it really took its toll I was very sort of you know down and sort of depressed and I didn't really know sort of what was next for me and it was yeah it was a lot a lot to deal with so that that's when I really knew that I needed to take a break and just sort of you know pack it in and give myself the time I needed to get my health everyday health back on back on track how long did that take you I would say a good I think when I left London I'd say it probably took a good yeah sort of six months or so um for me to kind of build up my confidence and you know feel like I could still have a career because I think that was hard I think I sort of yeah really doubted myself quite a lot and you know what what does the future hold for me and you know will I be able to sort of work for a company and sort of give them my all and yeah so that that makes total sense to me too, mm. you know what what you say so so running a business now um you, you manage doing it very well how, how does how does that feel so I, th- I think what's been great and sort of what always sort of drove us to really push the business and make a success of it is that you know I can have my own routine you know my, my week is completely my own I can you know I have no pressure of you know if I don't feel well I, c- I don't have to make that awful call to you know your employer where you have to say oh you know I don't feel good today and I can't come in and you know I I have the luxury of being able to take a day off if I need it yeah and it's been great because I've really been able to work around you know my good and my bad days Mm. um but also it's pushed me as well you know um sort of running a business it was completely new to me um there was a lot of anxiety in the beginning and having to sort of, you know, speak with people because I really sort of felt that I struggled to articulate myself because of my memory and sort of also talk, things like that. I found it quite difficult to get my words out. And I thought, oh, you know, I I can't ring couples up on the phone and and talk to them and and sell them this package. I I have, you know, but um, after a lot of a lot of practice, I, you know, I got there in the end. And yeah, our business um, songbird wedding videos, it really, really took off. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, so, it's so interesting yeah. that you mentioned that, because that's one of the things that I struggled the most in the beginning with my condition. And it was the fact that I was sometimes tired. And I had been, you know, I, I worked, you know, in my corporate career, I used to work eight, 10, 12 hour days, nonstop travel all over the place. So you, you're you think there is something wrong with you because you're tired. So yeah. learning, be, having the opportunity to do what you did, which is started my own business and, yeah. and then running, you know, pituitary world news, I learned that it was okay to go take a nap. Yeah in the middle Absolutely. of the day. And once you do that, you, you learn that your condition requires you to do certain things that were different from mm-hmm. before. 
Absolutely. Uh, and I think that, that is that's something that uh, you know you I would always tell people don't don't fight it just go with it you know yeah, do what you have to do to yeah. to uh, and don't let it be at the forefront just just deal with it and go get get on with it exactly. yeah accept <laughs> yeah, that's it. easier said than done I get it yeah <laughs> it's, it's the accepting of it though and it's it's um sort of coming to terms with the transition you know you go from being full of energy and you know I was traveling up to London, working a full day, coming home, not getting home till half seven, eight o'clock, you know, and I, I was able to do that, no questions asked. And then after, you know, sort of my surgeries and my radiotherapy, it changed massively. And it's really hard to accept that and to give yourself permission to rest and yes. sort of adapt to this new way of life because it is a new way of life. You're not the person that you used to be. Um, you know, and you have to, yeah, you have to allow yourself. And now I, I, I do. If I wake up one day and I don't feel good and I just say, right, today I'm going to work on the sofa from my laptop. And that's absolutely acceptable. Yeah. And I think yeah. that one of the things that we can be thankful for COVID, yeah. if you could be thankful for anything, mm -hmm. is the fact that I think all of that is a lot more ubiquitous today, you know, it's more common. I think companies are realizing that employees can be very productive at home mm. and that they've, you know, things I think are going to change for the better that way. Yeah. I don't think it's going to totally change, but you know, we could, uh, that's uh, a, yeah, so. No, I totally agree. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was going to say, I totally agree. I think, I think the problem is, is that now they're realizing that, I think the happier people are in their routines as well. It's like, I know that I couldn't travel in to a company and work a full day and, you know, commute home. I know that I wouldn't be at my best and I wouldn't be sort of, you know, able to really sort of deliver what that company needs and wants mm -hmm. from me mm -hmm. because it wouldn't suit me. That's right. You know, it would make me unwell and I'd go downhill and, you know, there would be no no point. So I think yeah. it's it's best to work out a routine that works best for people's health. And yeah, and that way they're more productive and, you know, you still get the job done, but you might yeah. just have to get it done in four days instead of five. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift a little bit. When we chatted the last time, you told me that one of the th reasons why you had started your 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 blog, the mass and me blog.com, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. And we'll put a link on the on the article so people can go and read it. Uh, yeah. Oh, the mass and me.com, not blog. Okay. Yeah, the mass and me.com. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Thank you. So tell me why uh, you started that. I know you mentioned early diagnosis and you and I had talked about how critical that is for pituitary disease. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we work um, constantly at yeah. to see if we can generate enough interest to, to uh, an education to lower these, these rates of, of, uh, um, of the time that it takes to diagnose yeah. somebody. So, so tell me a little bit about the mass and me. And I, 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 it's difficult to describe. I think it's a wonderful, uh, blog. It's really nicely designed and there's a lot of interesting insight that you yeah. give other patients. So let's just chat a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started the Mass and Me, I think, sort of for years and especially sort of since my diagnosis and, you know, my surgeries and everything and my treatment, I had really tried to almost ignore my condition mm -hmm. and sort of put it to the back of my mind and sort of not 
um, sort of take notice that it was actually sort of, you know, a very big part of my everyday life. Um, and so for a long time, I, you know, I didn't really talk about my condition and what I was going through and sort of, you know, the daily struggles that I have. Um, I very much kept it to myself. And um, that, you know, I have a lot of sort of, I think, friends and people that used to know me and even family that don't sort of really understand or fully are aware of my situation because yeah. I never really spoke about it. Um, so, yeah, and then I just, you know, my mental health started to deteriorate and I just noticed, um, you know, that I was struggling a lot with my anxiety in lots of different areas of my life. And I sort of come to the conclusion that, you know, I wanted to share my story and, and mm. stop, you know, hiding and, and feeling ashamed, you know, of, of what I've been through and, and sort of, you know, the life that I'm living now so um I decided to start the mass and me um and to share my story and um I think the main thing and the main reason behind it is that I just wanted to help others in some way um I've always been the same I, I just love helping people um, and it was really important to me because I thought if I share my story it might encourage other people to share theirs and we can create some sort of, you know, safe community online where we can just be open and honest about our condition and how it affects mm -hmm. us. And sort of, yeah, I just really wanted to be open and honest, which mm -hmm. I feel like I've tried to, you know, get across in all of my blog posts. If, you know, people have a read, um, you know, I just try and sort of, yeah, just be as honest as I can um, so people can get an insight into what it's like to live with this condition. And also to make others that have the same condition or similar condition that they're not alone. Because I've had a lot of people get in contact with me and, and leave comments and saying to me, you know, this has really helped to read this. And I feel sort of, you know, less alone now that I know there's other people out there going through the same thing. And um, so I really just wanted to raise awareness of that. And um, yeah. So I remember, it's interesting you say that, I remember the first time post-diagnosis, after we started Pituitary World News, I was invited to go to Canada to do a presentation at the, one of the acromegaly groups, and it was the yeah. first time that I had actually been around other people with acromegaly, and uh, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was just, it was just about 150 people, and it was such an experience for me that I honestly will never forget it, because yeah. you go from thinking that you're the only one to realizing that there's a lot more of us, yeah. and, and there's just, just this, this interesting connection that you have, because you truly realize that there's other people that understand when you yeah. say, I'm tired, what actually that means yeah you know absolutely so, yeah it's, so it's those so groups are so critical for uh, mm -hmm. patients all over the world and and then to generate you know the awareness that we need to generate to yeah. to to help no yeah. so and that's why i sort of you know like the Paturity foundation you know here in the uk that's a wonderful you know, organization yeah it really is and i'm part of you know this sort or of facebook group and everything and it's it's just so great to have that platform to go on to to sort of you know get advice and sort of you know speak to other people and you know I'm part of another um couple of groups like Paturity Tumor Support Groups um on Facebook and it makes a huge difference because you know you're sort of reading posts from people all over the world that are going through the same things as you are and it does make you feel less alone um yeah. because it is very difficult as you know sort of with the condition you know, like ours, to explain it to people and 
like you said, have people really understand sort of, you know, your, your symptoms and what it means for you on a day-to-day basis um, and having that level of empathy as well, which I think some people really do, do lack. Um, and I've often been made to feel like, you know, I'm being over the top or, you know, that I'm making a big deal out of my symptoms or that, you know, because I look okay on the outside, then, you know, I must be fine. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be able to relate to that. (laughs) We get that all the time. (laughs) So I was noticing on your website that you wrote the last dance, the last blog you did on April 7th, I think it was. Uh, and you were talking about the process of elimination. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, and how, um, the, so the cycle to try to diagnose these, your bothersome symptoms. Why don't you yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit about that? Because I think it was so, so well done uh, um, on how you bring your experience to, to light. You know, it's yeah. so well written. Thank uh, you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so I think um, what I've been struggling with most recently is sort of dealing with these symptoms that I just can't seem to find an answer for. Um, you know, I have a lot of gut issues, a lot of daily nausea that can last all day um, and sort of things like headaches. And it's just things that I can't find an answer for. And I'm sort of, like I've said in my blog, I'm in this process of elimination where I'm trying to find something to blame. You know, I'm, I'm saying to myself, you know, is it the food that I'm eating? And I've really sort of developed a food anxiety now, um, which I'm sort of, you know, everything everything that I'm trying that may be new or even meals that I'm used to having all the time, I, I will sit down to eat and I will get very nervous about eating because mm-hmm. I'm worried that it's going to make my symptoms worse. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times after I finish my meals, I do feel sick or I do have sort of stomach issues and it's really hard um, to sort of try and pinpoint what it is. And then, you know, I'm speaking to sort of family members that know me very well and like, especially sort of my parents and they're sort of saying to me, Oh, I'm sure it's your anxiety. So then I'm like, okay, maybe it is my anxiety. And then it's sort of, you're just constantly going from one thing to the other, trying to rule everything out. Yeah. And it becomes really tiring doing that. You know, I've I've been to the doctors, I've had so many different tests, um, you know, with cameras and everything to try and find the root of the problem and never seem to be able to be able to find one. So you just feel like you are in a constant sort of circle going round and round. Um, yeah, trying to find the answer. And I think sort of in my blog, I was just basically saying is that, you know, should I give up and just accept that it is part of my condition, all these Mm -hmm. symptoms, and I just have to deal with it? Or should I be sort of more determined to get to the root of the problem and find an answer for myself so I can alleviate those symptoms? So. And you're still struggling with that or have you come to a conclusion? Oh, I'm still, sorry. Um, Yeah, no, I'm still... I'm still struggling with it. I'm still, I'm still experiencing the symptoms. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, to help myself at the moment by having some sort of therapy. Um, I've just started therapy and um, to try and yeah help myself overcome the anxiety because I feel like anxiety is such a plays a big role in my life. Oh, sure. Sure. It's something that I need to yeah address and and try and sort of yeah bring bring down. 
But yeah, the level, yeah, yeah. Bring the level down, yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think it's very healthy that you're going through the process yes. of, of trying to understand it because at some point you're probably going to, you're going to be a mix of things that you say, well, this I can't control, this I can't. Yes. And you, yes. once you learn that, then from an anxiety, you go, okay, now I, now I know what I can, I can do and what I, I have yeah. to deal with. So. Absolutely, you have to do everything you you can you know so I was sort of very aware that you know my anxiety was creeping up and it was getting quite bad and you know and I'm having all these symptoms alongside it so I said to myself I need to have therapy so mm-hmm. I went straight and I got myself therapy and I'm I'm doing that now I'm in the process of that and um yeah and I'm you know fingers crossed that will help and sure. hopefully my symptoms will will get better and and that's just that's all you can do is hope and that's it <laughs> is is writing about it cathartic for you do you does it help you sort of focus on it or understand it the issues you know making we always tell you know when you think about things you make a list of the yeah. things and uh absolutely yeah i think writing process? has been yeah just a real sort of great way it's been therapy for myself really and mm-hmm. um, to work through things um i started to do journaling um every morning and I find that it just helps me to get my thoughts out. And if I'm sort of feeling a certain way, it helps me to sort of process that and accept the way that I'm feeling as well. Yeah. Um, but I do find writing the blog, you know, really, really cathartic. Yeah. And it's great because I'm passionate about what I'm talking about. It's my real life experience as well. You know, it comes natural to me and it, it's just, it comes straight out. You know, I, I very rarely edit because I just, it's just, yeah, it's my experience. And I love putting that out in its rawest form for people to see. And hopefully, you know, they can relate to it. Well, and you're very talented and you're doing it very well. So that, that's, that's important. So I, I, I think it's commendable that you are uh, taking the time to do this, not only to, you know, but it, I'm sure, I'm sure it helps a ton of people when, mm-hmm. when you know, when they find your blog and and read about it so i just want to yeah i i want to thank you very much for taking the time and agreeing to chat with us and um i hope uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll work together on this uh to generate more awareness and more people can be helped absolutely yeah it's been an absolute pleasure i really appreciate you inviting me on and um yeah i just really hope that, you know, along with my blog and hopefully any future work that we can do together, we can definitely sort of raise awareness and really reduce the time in which it takes for people to get diagnosed because that is the most important thing. Yeah. And yeah, fingers crossed. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Rachel, and we'll, we'll speak soon again. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Our thanks again to Rachel for sharing her story with us. And don't forget to check out her blog at themassandme.com. That's themass, M-A-S-S, and me.com. Also, a quick reminder that if you'd like to support our efforts, you can do so by making a donation at pituitaryworldnews.org. Just click on Get Involved and follow the directions. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening.